All right, now that we're all warmed up, welcome back to Let's Talk Title with Emerald Coast Title Services. I'm your host and president of ECTS, Dion Moniz, and back with us today is our vice president, Casey Jernigan-King. Hello. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, last episode, this is now episode two, our first episode, we spent talking about the impacts of coronavirus on the closing process. So today, in response to a question we actually had from one of our Mm -hmm. agents that we'll get into in a minute, today we're going to talk about what happens when a party backs out of a contract. So we had one of our clients call. Yes. And uh, her client was on the buyer side and decided to back out of the contract due to coronavirus. Um, As many people are going through right now, they're either getting furloughed or they don't know what their cash position is going to be, so they're deciding to back out sit on the cash and not proceed with the purchase. So this particular buyer canceled the contract uh, due to coronavirus issues. And the question that the seller had was, what could they do? In this particular instance, the seller wanted to keep the EMD and pursue additional damages, claiming that now that coronavirus is here, the property's not worth as much. And so the seller was wanting the EMD and additional money for damages uh, versus specific performance. But that's not proper. No. So let's talk about why. Okay. Now, again, two main versions of the contract are Farbar and Crisp. Yes. We all know my favorite's the Farbar. Yes, mine too. (laughs) But for purposes of buyer default, which we'll get into first, Mm -hmm. they're pretty much the same on the remedies. Yes. Right? All right, so what are the remedies in the event of a buyer default under the contracts? So the seller can take the EMD as liquidated damages and settlement of all claims under the contract or sue for specific performance. And the EMD is all the damages. Right. And it actually says, as liquidated damages... And And settlement of all claims. Of all claims. Mm -hmm. So the only two options in the event of a buyer default, the seller can either keep the EMD and call it a day... Yes. Or sue for specific performance. Yes, and not both. Right. And so specific performance is not a great option because courts don't really like to enforce specific performance on buyers right because because if a buyer backs out because they can't afford it anymore um, it's hard for a court to force them to pay for something that they can't afford and even if you get a court order saying you have to purchase it's still really hard to force somebody to go through with the purchase yeah because if some buyer can't get a loan or proceed with financing yeah the court order is a piece of paper that says you shall, but how are you going to make someone buy something they can't finance? Right. Yeah. So I always, if I get posed with a question, I always advise the seller just to take the EMD, put it back on the market. Hopefully, especially in today's market with values being what they are and being a seller's market still. Yes. There's a possibility they even get more money than what they had it contracted for before. Yeah. So take the EMD, move on. Take the money and run. Take the money and run, exactly. (laughs) So there actually is a situation where a buyer could back out and it still be timely and allow the buyer to get the EMD back, and that's under the financing contingency section. Yes. So let's let's dive into that a little bit. Sure. So if it's in the, well, under FARBAR, it would be within the loan approval period. Um, And then in the CRISP, it would be within the loan commitment period. Right. And they mean slightly different things. Right. We have a whole seminar that we give yes. uh, to agents about this. 
ultimately the loan approval is a little more stringent than the loan commitment. Yes. And so just be aware that if you're under FAR bar, it's the loan approval that has to be provided within the set time frame. CRISP is a loan commitment, and the loan commitment is a little less stringent. It basically says you're approved subject to all these conditions. Right. Whereas a loan approval says you're approved so long as it appraises. Yes. It exactly. doesn't have all the conditions in it. Right. Um, so basically, they're, they're, they can get the loan as long as the property appraises. Right. But that brings up an interesting question. If they are outside that loan approval period or that loan commitment period, and then they get furloughed or laid off or terminated. Mm -hmm. um, Let's circle back to that. Okay. So initially, if the buyer finds out that they can't get approved for the financing mm -hmm. before the expiration of the loan approval period or the loan contingency deadline, they can cancel the contract and get their EMD And get back. their EMD, yes. All right. There's one big difference between FARBAR and CRISP on that. Uh-huh. So if the loan approval period expires and the buyer has not provided notice of either proceeding or not proceeding, then it actually opens a three-day window for the seller yes. to cancel the contract. And the buyer gets the END, but the seller can actually say, you know what, I'm going to move on. I got a better offer. I got a better offer. Right. And that's becoming more and more popular now. Now that backup they're backup offers. Yes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And everything I'm seeing on research says it's still a seller's market. We still only have three months of inventory. So once all this coronavirus stuff smooths out, value should be intact, still be a seller's market. Right. So the possibility of there being backup offers out there is still pretty high. Right. So that's a big benefit of Farbar that a seller doesn't have under CRISP. Yes. And so that's one thing I always like to, to touch on. Right. All right. So, all right. So we've talked about what happens if the buyer... Uh, does or doesn't get financing within the set t time frames. So going back to your example, if they are approved, the contract goes hard, right. but then suddenly before closing, the buyer gets laid off or furloughed, and now the bank can't underwrite the loan because they don't check the box for employment. Right. So they call usually the day before closing to verify employment, and so we've actually had it where they call to verify employment, and the... Uh, borrower had just or buyer had just gotten laid off and there is no employment and so then what do you do so now they can't close on the loan no, they can't close and so this creates a problem right um as we discussed in the first episode that would fall under the force majeure clause for crisp for crisp because there's that extra language that, that says any other categories or uh, circumstances outside the party's control right and that would certainly qualify. Yes. That's outside buyer's control. Right. Farbar does not have that language. No, it does not. So we found a flaw in Farbar <laughs> that I didn't want to admit to, but it, right? it is there. So you need to take it to the Florida bar. <laughs> I, I'm working on it. Okay. <laughs> so under CRISP, if that scenario happens, the force majeure clause allows for an extension. Mm -hmm. And arguably, the buyer's entitled to it. Mm -hmm. Or if the seller doesn't want to proceed, then the buyer still gets his EMD back. Right. Um, but under FARBAR, it's questionable. Yes. Because technically the language doesn't allow for it. Right. I would think a court, I would be hesitant to bet on the court not applying it under FARBAR. That's exactly what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. uh, even though the black and, black and white language of the contract doesn't necessarily address it. 
if someone tries to take this take this all the way to court, right? I think a judge is going to be sim- sympathetic. Yes. Based on all this stuff that's going on. <laughs> right. It's crazy. <laughs> Certainly, you would think you know there would be some court sympathy in that. Sure. It's not a guarantee. Right. So in this context, you know, if I'm asked the question, I have to say, well, we don't really know, but I would guess that a court would enforce it at the end of the day after you've put money into litigation and had months of time involved in it. So it's best just to try to work out an extension. Right. And in the case that we've had, um, the buyer did was able to get somebody to co-sign on the loan, and it just took a few days extra um, but it, there was a good resolution. But you don't always have somebody who's willing or able to co-sign. Right. So. Very true. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about now, we talked about buyer defaults. Mm-hmm. So transitioning from this scenario, because if you get a situation like that and the buyer wants an extension for the loan to kick back in and the seller says no, let's talk about seller defaults mm-hmm. and what the buyer's remedies are. So again, they're kind of the same between right. Farbar and Crisp, mm-hmm. but go ahead. So if the seller defaults, then the buyer can get their EMD back and go on about their business or sue for specific performance. And in the seller context, the courts are more willing to, to allow or enforce specific performance. Right. Because it's easy to say, you shall sell this property. Right. Because they own the property and they can deed it. Yeah. It's, right. It's not like you're relying on a buyer to try to get the money right the seller has the property the seller can convey the property so it's a more enforceable issue yes exactly okay so what happens with the brokers in the event of a cancellation are they left out in the cold well it depends primarily upon the listing agreement but if the listing agreement provides for the brokers to get um, all or a portion of uh, the EMD upon the buyers default um, then it will be split equally. Now, FARBAR allows for up to the full AMD. It just depends on what the listing agreement says. Now, CRISP, on the other hand, allows for 50% of the AMD um, to be given to the, or split between the brokers. But really, it just depends on what is in the listing agreement. Yeah, and the brokers that I've talked to, I don't know that I've ever talked to one that's actually enforced that. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a buyer default, the seller's going to realize the property. Right. And they're going to get their commission at some point. Right. But arguably, pursuant to the listing agreement, they could be due a commission. Yes. So just be aware that that provision, if it's in the listing agreement, there's a provision in the contracts that allow for a portion or possibly all of the EMD to go to the listing broker to then be split between both agents. Right. Okay. Correct. So now we can get into dispute resolution, mm-hmm. which there are some pretty significant differences between the two contracts. So if the parties, if there's a cancellation, parties can't agree, right. regardless of what the contracts say, then there are procedures set forth in both of the contracts. Yes. And so let's dive into FARBAR first. Of course, because that's your favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so under FARBAR, the parties have 10 days to attempt to settle the dispute on their own. After that, they generally have to go to mediation. If mediation doesn't work, then they can choose between arbitration or filing a lawsuit. Now, and, and if the parties can't agree to mediate, because I always get that question, well, what happens if the other side doesn't comply with my mediation demand? Then you just skip that step. Yeah. Because there's nothing that says you, there's no enforceability right. of that part. Right, right. And I don't know that I've seen anybody really 
not lately go to mediation. I haven't either. Typically, so, they jump straight right. into the lawsuit. Yeah. Uh, but that steps in there yep. to try to encourage the parties to get it resolved by a right. third party sure. before it gets into an expensive lawsuit. Right. Which I would, mediation is typically uh, a little less expensive. Oh, very. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, usually if you get a third party in there that's not biased in any way or related, that'll help get sure. the issue resolved. Right. So I actually recommend the parties do mediation yes. instead of digging in their hills and going to court. Right. Because once you have the uh, escrow agent involved, if it's um, an escrow dispute um, and interpleting the funds, then you have to pay the uh, escrow agent out of those funds. That's a fancy word, interpleader. Why don't you, why don't you uh, <laughs> explain what that means? Oh, great. Um, so basically when the parties cannot uh, agree on how to resolve the EMD, who, get, who gets it, um, then the escrow agent will put those funds, interplead those funds into court and say, I'm out of it. But they do have to file some paperwork um, and let the court decide. So that's where the... Um, escrow agents fees come into play right so generally in the context of an emd dispute either we as escrow agent can sit back and say all right we'll hold the money until y'all work it out we're ethically obligated it actually says in the contract where we're contractually obligated right. as well that if there's any sort of dispute for an emd we have to hold the money yep. and typically that comes up if both sides won't sign the cancellation right that's exactly. the clear sign yes. of the dispute. Right. And so as escrow agent, we can either sit on the funds and wait for the parties to work it out, or we can say, court, here's the money, and we actually file a lawsuit. It's mm -hmm. called an interpleader action or a complaint for interpleader, whatever it's called now. Right. And uh, But we deposit the funds with the court. We say, here's the money. Both buyer and seller get served with the lawsuit. We step out, wash our hands of it, and then the two parties fight it out. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we get paid our attorney's, attorney's fees, fee. which can be around $1,500 or so, yeah. plus uh, costs. And it depends. I think we've had a couple where we've had to go back and forth over a few things, and so the, the fees have been more than $1,500. And right. if you're talking about a small EMD, that can eat up exactly. a whole lot of it. Yeah. So if it's a $5,000 EMD, suddenly a third of it gets eaten up by attorney's fees. Right. And so I'll actually use that as leverage to try to get the parties to come to a, a resolution. Right. Because otherwise, once we interplead, then automatically that gets eaten up by our mm -hmm. attorney's fees. And now they're arguing over a portion of the EMD instead right. of the full EMD. Right. Um, and as escrow agent, I don't want us to hold the money in our trust account. No. So my inclination is just to do the interpleader action. So I'll say, all right, you've got 30 days to work this out or we're going to interplead the funds to, with the court. And occasionally you do get two parties that you just can't get to agree. They're stubborn for whatever reason, think they're being taken advantage of. We've seen that a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Right. So. so the dispute resolution process under CRISP is a little bit different than FARBAR. Why don't yes. you touch on that? The parties have 30 days to try and work it out. Um, if they can't work it out, then they go to mediation. If mediation doesn't work, then they have to go to arbitration. Now, if it's an EMD dispute and there's going to be an interpleader action, uh, the escrow agent gets to choose whether it's arbitration or filing a lawsuit. Um, it's not mandated in the contract. And generally, uh, I guess it's obvious I would say this as a lawyer, but I like lawsuits over arbitrations. Oh, um, uh, what do you think? What do you think? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I would fight an arbitration clause any chance I got yeah. rather than 
go through with it. So to me, that's a weakness in the crisp, or one of the weaknesses in the crisp, is that you must go to arbitration. The last time I had an arbitration, the other side didn't even fight it, and it still cost my client over ten thousand dollars. Oh, it's crazy expensive. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't see any benefits in arbitration. I don't either. Myself. So, Farbar, go with Farbar. <laughs> now, the other big advantage to Farbar, not only does it allow for a lawsuit, but it allows for a recovery of attorney's fees. Yes, which is a big one. It is. It is because if you're fighting over uh, the EMD, for instance, or any dispute really and you go to court, then you have to pay your own attorney's fees, which can be quite substantial. Um, under Farbar, you're, if you, the winning party is entitled to get their uh, attorney's, fees, attorney's fees paid by the other side. Under CRISP, there is no attorney's fees provision. So you're out, um, even if you win, you're still out whatever you had to pay your attorney. Yeah, which, which we is, get paid a lot. <laughs> we're worth Just every kidding. penny of it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you could spend several thousand dollars chasing after a yeah. ten thousand dollar EMD, and even if you win, you've lost because you've right. used all that money in attorney's fees. Right. So um, what we advise, we actually have language that we advise our clients. If they're going to be on a crisp, we have language we can send you mm -hmm. to insert under the additional terms. Right to trigger that attorney's fee clause. Because in Florida, it has to be in the contract. Yes. And if it's, if it's going to be enforceable or if the uh, prevailing party is going to be entitled to attorney's fees. So mm -hmm. reach out to us if you're on CRISP. We'll give you that language, and then you'll be good to go on that. And we also have language that makes um, the coronavirus part of the force majeure. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. So we, we, we addressed it in our first episode. Right. We actually sent an email, a client alert email right. out. But if it went to spam and you didn't get that, uh, reach out to us and we'll resend you that language to um, enlarge or, or broaden the force majeure right. clause to account for pandemics like coronavirus. Yes. All right. Well, I think we're done for today. Wine. Episode two in the books. <laughs> Time for some wine. Yes. And in my bourbon. case, a little bourbon. Right. <laughs> so uh, if you have any questions, please reach out to Casey or I. Um, again, she's in the Santa Rosa Beach office. I'm in the Destin office. We're always around, always available for your phone calls. If you have feedback or requests for our next podcast yep. episode, we want to touch on stuff that's relevant to our yes. clients. Hopefully, it's not always going to be about coronavirus. Right. <laughs> it's going to be over sometime soon. <laughs> exactly. Fingers and toes crossed soon. on that. I know. Um, so thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.